Do you have an idea that you're itching to turn into a business? It starts with a website. Visit shopify.com forward slash powwow pitch to sign up for a 60 day free trial to take action on your idea today. Entrepreneurship and innovation have always been an integral part of Indigenous ways of life. And today, this is inspiring sustainable and transformational solutions. To learn more about how RBC supports Indigenous communities and businesses, visit rbc.com forward slash Indigenous. Small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome everyone to the Powwow Pitch Podcast, a show empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. I am your host, Sunshine Kremtanasco, and I'm an entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi Anishinaabe. I got my entrepreneurial start on Dragon's Den selling baby moccasins, and today I'm the creator of Powwow Pitch and Her Braids a children's book author, a water protector, a mom, and an advocate of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Each year, Powwow Pitch supports thousands of Indigenous entrepreneurs to tell their stories. I launched this podcast to grow the reach of our entrepreneurial wisdom connected to our rich culture and deep roots as Indigenous people. On this podcast, I interview some of the most successful Indigenous entrepreneurs, makers, and creators to share their stories, learnings, and wisdom to lift us all. The Powwow Pitch Podcast is a production of Powwow Pitch, syndicated through the Startup Canada Podcast Network and co-presented by RBC, Shopify, and MasterCard, with the support of an entire ecosystem of partners committed to the success of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Every few weeks, we drop a new episode, so be sure to subscribe to the Powwow Pitch podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to the Powwow Pitch podcast. Also, be sure to visit us at powwowpitch.org to sign up for our newsletter to get in on the loop about support, resources, funding, and opportunities for Indigenous entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Power Pitch Podcast. Today we have a super duper special guest. Sean Raylan Bubar is the founder and CEO of Red Rebel Armor, a business that just I hold near and dear to my heart and love following uh, his journey uh, as an indigenous owned clothing company that creates these powerful and meaningful designs inspired by indigenous art, culture and fashion. Sean is
is also an, an urban Anishinaabe storyteller, as most of our listeners are, um, and an also an Indigenous social entrepreneur who uses his business to create social impact. So today we're going to be talking about social entrepreneurship. What does that even friggin' mean? Identity, economic empowerment, mental health and family and all the things that uh, Sean uh, wants to talk about. So let's get started. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, miigwech for having me. Bonjour, Nibui Sabe, Indigenous Magazine, Dodem. I said my name is Stanley Sasquatch, man. I don't know from the Eagle Clan, and my given name is Sean Rayland. Miigwech for that awesome intro. It's, yes, it's so awesome. Yeah, so you are our, uh, one of our powwow pitch winners that we got to meet live in person. So that makes it like extra special in my heart. Um, but for those who don't know about Red Rebel Armor, tell us more about it and what's some uh, inspiration behind your designs. Yes, yeah, so Red Rebel Armor is an Indigenous-led social enterprise designing, producing, and selling our Indigenous streetwear brand to fund our employment service, which provides on-the-job pay training for our relatives returning back to the community from the criminal justice system. So just talking of the overview background on our business, right? You could see that most, uh, most of our designs come from lived experience. Um, they come from, like, I have a design that I really wanted to just talk about that I thought was you know, it's important, especially for this question. The design is called um, Resilience is My Medicine. And so I have the text going around kind of like in a half circle. But inside the circle, there's a basketball shoe. I put an RRA logo on it and a, an eagle feather on top. And why that piece is important to me, because it represents uh, what, what I had to do to survive growing up in here in Winnipeg, growing up in the hood, that's what I call it. I grew up in the hood. So that tennis shoe represents that, having that experience. And then the feather represents connecting to my culture, which guided me out of the hood mentality. You could say the destructive, the destructive way of living. So I think that piece, yeah, really speaks to who we are. But we also have other pieces as well. Uh, Kale Bonham, that's our main graphic designer that we work with. We have uh, the Strawberry Sage design. That was all Kale. And a lot of that's come from getting feedback from the customers as well and just trying to, you know, try to tailor some pieces to them, see what's working. But uh, with the Resilience is My Medicine piece, that's like all Sean. But it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't sell as well as much as I want it to, but I just mm -hmm. like talking about that piece because it relates to me the most. And that's it too, right? What relates to you might not relate to someone else as much because one of the pieces I, I ordered from uh, you guys, it's um, a shawl dancer. Oh, yeah. And that, yeah, and it says land back on it, but it was the shawl dancer... Um, it's so beautiful. I wear it like to business conferences. I just like, you know, fancy it up with a blazer or whatever, but like that one speaks to me just because it's so powerful and soft at the same time. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's where we we're trying to go to with our designs. Like, well, to speak about that piece specifically, it has the Winnipeg skyline in the background and the shawl dancer is holding the treaty medallion. So the story behind that piece, how we're seeing Lambac, 
is is not just about hey just go home whatever that type of narrative it's like let's uh have some wealth redistribution let's Mm. bring our knowledge to the table let's talk about land back as from a reconciliation standpoint like obviously ain't no one going home so we have to make this work together and we have to stop destroying the place we're living in right Mm. so that's kind so i have a whole story i can't remember exactly what i wrote because i write different stories for them all the time but it's along those lines I love it. It's beautiful. And to have that on a on a shirt and really, you know, I could wear any old plain T-shirt and whatever. But every time I wear it, someone at least one person makes a comment about it. And, you know, I sort of direct them to to your business. And and maybe that's a, you know, a a way that we're all doing our part in for for reconciliation. You're speaking about it and I'm wearing it and it's teaching someone you know a little bit from a different perspective you know so yeah I think yeah there's so. um, I wanted to add to that because I I got a we, we always get lots of feedback like in the emails there's so much there's people reaching out customers reaching out from all over they're involved in education injustice right they're they're like oh I'm a probation officer over here I love what you guys are doing all this stuff but this lady she sent me she's an older white lady she maybe looks like in her 60s or 70s. I'm not trying to judge. But what she told me was so beautiful. She bought two Lambach, uh crewnecks. And she said that she was doing a presentation. And I'm pretty sure it was at like uh, a ministry or something like that. And so she did uh, her talk wearing that Lambach, And she shared my story there too. And I was thinking like, that's powerful. That's powerful mm-hmm. because that's what I've been saying. When you're wearing my clothes, you're becoming an advocate now. You're advocating, you know, mm-hmm. to share that story of healing and resilience. And you know what I mean? So like for her to share that, that was, yeah, yeah, that was really interesting to, yeah, I thought, wow, I didn't know I could reach those audiences because those people sitting in her ministry or whatever, they're, uh, you know, they would pretty probably wouldn't hear our ads or see anything about us, but she brought it there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the power of art and clothes and take it like you just gave me goosebumps there. Like at, when you were telling that story, I was like, yeah, like what seems like on like from the outside or maybe when you're not living, it seems like, oh, yeah, he has, uh, you know, a clothing company, but it's so much bigger than that. And it's based on just that one story you shared. Look at the impact that that one design and one T-shirt or whatever is having and how many people it's possibly educating. Wow. I know it's it's so intense. Like these are things I really like I really want to like get some more staff to figure out how to do this. I'm still trying to navigate that to find, you know, extra cash to scale to get the right staff because, you know, a lot of Red Rebel armor is homegrown. Like when I Mm -hmm. started, it was all YouTube. It was okay. I need to change. I need to figure something out. So I went on YouTube. I went down that rabbit hole. I shared lots on other on other times that, you know, I was speaking. But it's like uh, that's that's how it is like when you don't have the capital and you but you want to do something right you just got to mm-hmm. do it just jump on there figure it out and yeah. like 
I wanted to share that when I first started, like I made my own screen, I cut it up in wood. I, you know what I mean? I even like when I had to burn a screen, I had to make like the little emulsion thing and in my basement to figure all this stuff out. Like, so I was really dedicated on creating something that was going to take me out of everything that I've been through, you know, just Mm -hmm. like, I just need a new life and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let anything stop me. Dude, you're so good. Like, I love your freaking attitude. And that's that's what entrepreneurship is, really. And also, that's what being an Indigenous person is, not just an entrepreneur. Like, back in KZ, where I'm from, we always say, like, it's just like a common saying. And I feel like I brought it up so many times, but an Indian is never stuck. And it's for all kinds of things, like <laughs> yeah. ridiculous things, like, you know, like, oh, your toaster's this, oh, or you have no power, make a fire, put a, you know, like yes. it, just all the ways you, you think of that. And if we, we go back to that, that's what entrepreneurship is. There's going to be problems. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be all of that, but an Indian is never stuck remember that yeah exactly it's like okay there's another challenge i need to overcome let's do it yeah you know and to have yeah to have the positive attitude about it knowing like okay i'm gonna figure this out and that's what your whole story screams i um yeah i hope everybody hears about you um but like so that's one way that how you can track your the impact of your business, right? Is yeah. by like by how you just shared that story about that that white woman who who wore your shirts. But what other metrics do you use to track your progress? The biggest one is uh, the individuals I've been working with are still out of jail. That's that's mm. the, that's the biggest one. Still showing up for employment. It hasn't been easy as well. I talk about a lot of the barriers we face as Indigenous people. And now you're, you know, you're getting out with a criminal record and all of that stuff. Everything, you know, that you've been through there. Like I could get into details like no transportation, uh, Mm -hmm. no IDs, right? No, uh, no place to stay. Then there's invisible stuff like intergenerational trauma and addictions. The things some people don't want to talk about and the loss of identity. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know how you're, they say reintegration. It's like we weren't integrated to begin with. This is why mm-hmm. we're ending up over there. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to reintegrate me? So that's something I always, I always advocate for. But so, so though with those barriers and understanding those challenges, like working with Justin, Justin's been, he's still out. He's, uh, he got his uh, got his own place. He's got a nice place, and that was in collaboration with uh, Jordan's principal as well. So we do ref- we do referrals. Um, say if an employee comes through because we're an employment first. Like you come in, I know you need some cash. Like you know, we if if you keep coming, then we put them on um, we put them on payroll. But in the beginning, I know some people just need some cash right away. Hey, Sean, can I compress for whichever? But uh, with yeah with justin like he had his the po's were coming by all the time like it took um it took about a whole year for them to like even i would say honor us as a real employment real Mm. employment service because uh, it took a whole year for them to uh like uh what is that lessen the conditions right so went from having to phone in every night and check in three times a week to checking in once a week, but still phoning in every night for a whole year, plus workplace visits and all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. 
So wow, that's a lot for someone to go through. And then you come into work and then Sean's like, you know what? I got a bunch of Shopify orders we got to do. And like with the things that he had to learn, and this is trickling on to some of the new employees too. Now they're like, they're taking up the roles that Justin has. So now that we have more employees, we're thinking of moving more to just doing public engagements and sharing the story of how, how this all came. Like even with Justin was on a, a program called Koru when he got out of the, when he got out of the penitentiary. So it's a very high intense probation program, but you know, he's made it through, succeeded. He has a place, has a job here. And, but um, we were tracking six months. I tracked of the money that we saved, uh, the federal government because Justin was on a federal program. But the way that you do that is by, let's see. And I think this is important to share because when we talk about social impacts, we want to put values on things. I know putting a a dollar amount on, you know, helping somebody, it ain't always, you know, it's it's not always seen in the right light, but when we're Mm -hmm. talking about impacts and we're trying to prove something to the government or whatever, like we're saving you this, amount of money by doing this work rather than housing somebody that's just going to continue in the system. Mm-hmm. But so according to Gabor, uh, 2015, the secure custody cost for a youth is $51,742 per youth and $65,000 per contact. So that means when there's a, an initial contact with the police, and uh, and an individual, it cost sixty thousand dollars right there, and then we added up the amount like uh, that it costs to keep house somebody per month, which is about uh, so at this about twenty thousand dollars per month it costs to house a federal inmate. Wow, I didn't know those numbers. Yes, so to. So now with, if for, you know, for Justin, it's like, okay, we're preventing the interaction with law enforcement and we're preventing the time it would, uh, like if you went back, what it would cost the system. Right. So, but I only tracked it for six months just because we're like, I'm limited. I'm just, uh, you know, I just started this. I just came out of school with the social entrepreneurship diploma and just, uh, like just starting this and trying to, yeah, I just didn't have a lot of the resources to do all these things that I needed and hire all the proper people. But we have been connecting with Red River. Well, we worked with them last year. We did lots of work. I know we talked about that in the powwow pitch too, like leveraging uh, educational institutions to do work. Mm -hmm. Yes. But uh, so we're working with them to, yeah, create a a resource guide for specifically for inmates, because there's a few of them that are circulating Winnipeg, but they're, they're, I'd say they're a little bit complex because there's so much. So I wanted to create something a little bit more tailored for the individual that's just getting out. He needs supports for housing, where's employment, you know, education. So some of the things that I've been through, like the connections that I've made, that's where I've been doing referrals. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so through Red River, I used to work for uh, resource assistance for youth. So that's, I was a housing cultural support worker there. So I'm able to hook, like uh, refer individuals too. like if they come through and it's, I don't always know somebody's not housed. It's like, hey, I need a job. Okay, come there. And just through talking and going through that, it's like, hey, well, I'm sleeping on a couch. And I'm like, well, I can refer you to this program if you're interested. And so we're just mm-hmm. kind of doing it like that. 
cool. That's so awesome. Um, like you're you're mostly focused in Winnipeg, right? Yes. This, yeah. Yes. So like you've you know you've proven and you're proving how social entrepreneurship can be used as a tool for economic empowerment. But how do you think we can like duplicate that or how can other indigenous communities do, do that? Yeah. Like it's just essentially, that's, what's beautiful about social enterprise. Like it's not super complicated. It's using business to create social impacts. In our case, we're using business to create an employment service for said individuals that are facing these barriers, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. in other terms, other businesses could start, say, somebody wanted to start a supplement brand and use some of those profits maybe to get some clean water somewhere or however, like, Mm -hmm. but you, yeah, it's all yeah, that's essentially it. Using business strategies to create social impacts. Mm-hmm. I love that. We see so much of that uh, at Powwow Pitch. The idea of of always giving back, right, is really what social entrepreneurship is. Yes, is uh, you know, and and so many of our businesses are doing that. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's like um, it's already like when I went and took the course, I'm like, wow, our people are already doing this. You know, it's already. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like you guys learn social enterprise from us, you know what I mean? And you're flipping it, teaching us it, but yeah. because that's the way we always thought, thought of things, right? And like, uh, you know, like the, what is the Iroquois prophecy? Like every time we make a decision, we think seven generations ahead, right? How is that mm-hmm. going to impact the seven generations ahead? So mm-hmm. those are, yeah, so it's already embedded, yeah, in Indigenous peoples to think that way. So it's like every Indigenous entrepreneur I meet, they're trying to help their community some way, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's the yep. people, whether that's the planet, something. They're just really trying to, you know, uplift their uplift their people. And it's because it's who we are. We're a community-based people. It's about we, not me, right? And yep. that's something that I, you know, I was taught by my mentor, Lionel Houston, I was able to pull myself out of that because I met him in the remand center and, you know, that's where I met him, started a relationship. And when I got out, I followed up with him and just continued to Dishka Bay. And, you know, if I'm available when he needs me, it's just like, that's yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. So um, you sort of touched on it, but can you speak about the role of identity in the work that you do and how do you make sure that the designs you have are, are authentic and I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm using the air quotes here, but authentic and respectful. Yeah. Like identity is huge. It's huge. Like this hearing from my employees, like we had a few, you know, we had a few media things going on this week and you know, they were posed that question. It's like, I could be myself here. I have a voice here, you know, like it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it almost doesn't feel like work. That's what they say. That's mm. the biggest one. So that's, and that's huge for me because now we're creating that belonging, that sense mm. of belonging, right? Once you have an individual that feels like they belong, then they could start mastering themselves, right? They're moving into mastery. Like these are conversations we have. Like another social impact is like workplace therapy, like just by sharing our experiences. You know, we go through similar things out here, right? So that's a, that's another one. But from there, they can move on to independence. Now they can take care of themselves, Right. They could do what they need to in the community. Did you have something you want to say, Sunshine? 
No, I'm just no. listening. Okay. Yeah. And then they can move into generosity. And that's the stage I believe I am, I'm in now. I went through that. And Lionel taught me the, those four quadrants. And it's uh, Dr. Martin Brokenleg took, uh, that's where that theory comes from, what I just spoke about, about our clan system. So when you look at that and looking at the individuals, yeah, it's just beautiful that to see someone come through there, right? You're seeing them. And because I went through it myself, you know, and now I'm seeing them come through. It's just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is a process because when yes. you're just trying to survive and you're not, you have to get to the point where you're thriving and to be able to be generous. Um, and that's a, that's a struggle. But once you get there, Wow. Yeah. How awesome is it to be able to, you know, say, here you go. And then the next the next batch does the same thing. And, and they're following the footsteps that you're you're bravely um, planting. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Like it's it's definitely it's a struggle too. like for me, it's very you know, it's very um, I have to make sure that I'm attending ceremony. I know we were mm. going to touch on it about how my taking care of my mental health yep. talking about it that's always huge you know ceremony going in there and just you know like I'm comfortable now when I when I go I just go there and cry if I need to cry boom safe place I'll go let it out here and just uh you know and co- connecting with mentors and just trying to see it through and you know also knowing my limits because mm-hmm. when I first started like it was just really gung-ho and you know, I took a lot of pressure on. I just decided like to just really just quit my job here and let's just go all in. And, you know, <laughs> there's no other safety net. So I put myself under all that pressure. But yeah, that's that's mainly it. Also working out. I've been slacking the past mm-hmm. little bit since we moved to the warehouse. But that's always something that's nice. And it's like two or three times a week, if I'm lucky, I could get it. But I just know it's, you know, it's, it helps me out just getting that energy out, you know, anxious, all the, all the pressure. And now that we're getting like, you know, a little bit more publicity and things like that, there's even more pressure. I don't want to drop the ball. You know what I mean? Like nothing is set in stone, even though like the money that we won last year, that's what carried us over into this warehouse. That's what we powwow pitched for. And this is where I'm talking to talking to you from now you know we're so grateful for that opportunity even that whole experience that was so scary you know like you just gotta but if you really want to do what you want to do you gotta you gotta push yourself you know and just so yeah mm-hmm. that's so a lot of a lot of the anxiety and stress come because you know I push myself to do hard things challenge myself and I think um especially when I went back to identity when I started learning about who we are when I was, you know, having those conversations with Lionel, you know, in his office in the institution and discovering that, you know, we weren't always savages. We weren't always, you know, addicted to things and destroying our community. You know what I mean? That That's not us. And he explained to me how we used to be, how we used to be. And just little things like, you know, he talked about like, uh, you know, a sister and the sister had a little sister how she would take care of the older one. If mom was gone, she would replace and be auntie or the community. Mm-hmm. You were never without, right? You always had someone to go to. You'd always replace. It's like, so that's what he told me. Like, so that's what I'm replacing in your life. You know, you might not have your uncles or your dads around, but mm-hmm. you know what? I could be that male figure. That doesn't mean I'm your dad or your grandpa. That just means you're never without. So I can mm-hmm. be there and just like, 
wow, that's how we used to be really like growing up in the hood and seeing all this stuff. Like, you know, it's kind of hard to believe, right? It kind of sounds kind of fairytale. Then you start learning like the actual history and it's like, oh, this is how we got to this point. Okay. I can't get out and do the same thing. That's how it was for me. I can't. I just can't. I know now. I know, you know, because it was always, it was always like, if I'm not going to do it, someone else will. And that's just this, it's, that's a widespread reason a lot of people say that continue to live that way. But once you know, you've been finessed out your spot, you know, like I'm thinking of uh, Lion King, you know, when Scar tricks Simba into not being king, (laughs) right? That's what's happening to us. We've been tricked off our, we've been tricked out our our glory or our power. Not that we're, you know, the European version of power, but who we are, like, as you know, as Anishinaabe, well, for me, Mm -hmm. I'm just connected. Mm -hmm. And so, but, uh, so when it comes to authenticity, like when I first started, I, you know, I jumped on Fiverr, go on there, try to find some cheap designs, but those even though those were my ideas and the artists were bringing them to life, I just felt like, you know what? I can't go out and be like, oh, this is authentic art if getting it from Fiverr. And there's nothing wrong. Those artists, they do, they do good in that. But that's just always, you know, it's a part of our unique value proposition, too, to know that a, an Indigenous artist, you know, made the piece, brought the vision to life. They're receiving money. Right. So it's yeah. So that's how we stay authentic. And with staying respectful, you know, it's that's always something that uh, there's a few pieces that I put out that, you know, I wasn't too sure sure about like a sitting bull design. We -hmm. called it the Supreme Chief. You know, we went did the history when looked at it, you know, and they mentioned uh, he was elected to Supreme Leader uh, before they went to defeat Custer. Uh, And so. It's like I didn't want to use Supreme Leader at the time to name it just because there's a lot of Kim Jong-il stuff going on. So I thought about that, right? It was like, mm-hmm. so I wanted to yeah, put Supreme Chief. And then Supreme also ties into the Supreme clothing brand, right? So I was trying to tie these streetwear with the culture and then honoring that too. Like no one's talking about our heroes like this. How come Indigenous youth need to see us? as the superheroes like their people as superheroes right it's it's can't always be the other culture that's our superhero you know what i mean so it's important that they see yeah they see it like that and uh yeah so that's that's how we keep you know things authentic and we print everything ourselves and do that i wish we could make the t-shirt right from scratch we're not there yet but you know we do everything else ourselves i love it um you really are bringing community values back into business and doing things uh, very thoughtfully. Um, so how can Indigenous entrepreneurs support and collaborate with one another for the community to build stronger communities? That's something I'm learning on how to do, how to become better. Mm-hmm. And I say that too, and I know there must be other entrepreneurs that go through it too, is like, you know, it's it's almost like... Um, where do, how do I collaborate? Like, hey, this is what I do. I know me and Native Love Notes have been able to do it because her business needed a print-on-demand service. So that's how we were able to collaborate and do things, right? Uh, with other, yeah. And, but with, yeah, that question, I'm still working on. I'm still trying to figure out how to be more collaborative. Even though I collaborate already, I just, there's a collaboration I want to work on for our social purpose. So that's Mm -hmm. the one that I'm struggling with the most. When it comes to do business and doing transactions, of course, 
here, you do artwork. I need artwork. Boom. Let's make something happen like that. You print clothes or, you know, our, our services complement each other in some way. I'd say that'd be the first thing to look for if you're mm-hmm. doing a collaboration like that. And with the, with the social purpose part, it's a little bit harder because now we're approaching nonprofits, right? And they have mandates. They have, you know, set funding for how they're supposed to run. And here's Red Rebel Armor is like, hey, we, you know, we want to work with you. We want to do this. So we're looking at, yeah, just trying to navigate that. I think those ones are a little bit more complicated because, you know, our demographic that we're working with and what we're trying to achieve socially is a little mm-hmm. bit more complicated because of other systems involved, right? Like justice or, you know, CFS, these types of things. So Yeah. Yeah. So final question, what final advice do you have for Indigenous entrepreneurs who are just starting out? My advice is get started. Mm-hmm. Get started. Accept the fact that you're going to overcome challenges and there's going to be more and you will be, you know, jumping off the cliff numerous times. Try to get comfortable with that and just keep learning. You're the one making the decisions. You're the one, you know, driving the ship, have that Mm -hmm. confidence. Even if you don't know, just wing it. Cause if Mm -hmm. it was a mistake, it'll teach you the right way to go for next time when you get into that situation. So, Yep. I love that. I agree completely, Sean. Like that's how you learn is by making mistakes. There's, you know, that whole failure conversation. There's, there's no such thing as if you're learning in the process. And so uh, I really, really enjoyed everything that you shared with us today. And thank you for being so honest and, and, you know, telling us that you're still learning too because that's how I feel too I feel like I'm still learning and learning how to collaborate and align with other people and making sure that I'm doing it in a good way making sure that we're making these decisions thoughtfully um and and not rush so much uh you know and just yeah. yeah so um yes I'm so proud of you. I'm proud to know you. I'm happy that I got to meet you. I hope we see you again at uh, at Manitouabi. And uh, I think the lesson here uh, is, is just something you said is the is the road uh, to move towards generosity. And so um, whether you see it or not, you're um, you're an awesome role model, Sean. I appreciate that. I really yeah, I enjoyed this conversation. It was this was a, an authentic conversation to have. It was awesome. Yay. Miigwech and Kigawabman. Uh, okay, take care. Thank you for joining us today on the Pow Wow Pitch podcast, dedicated to empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. The Pow Wow Pitch podcast is recorded at the Adawe Indigenous Business Hub Studio, powered by NACA. Thank you to our co-presenting partners, RBC, Shopify, and MasterCard. And to our producers, Victoria Lennox and Cyprian Shalankiewicz. And to everyone who makes Pow Wow Pitch possible. Be sure to visit powwowpitch.org to explore how we can support you to start your business and sign up to our newsletter to learn more about the Pow Wow Pitch competition, the Indigenous Entrepreneur Awards, the Indigenous Startup Program, the Pow Wow Pitch Box, and powwowmarket.com. Until next time, I am your host, Sunshine Tanasco. Miigwech.